Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Coming up, Lav and I talk about Dustin Johnson's unbelievable week in Boston. Welcome to the Golf Central Podcast presented by TaylorMade and the all-new Sim Driver. The driver head was in need of a drastic change in order to provide more performance, so TaylorMade changed the shape altogether with their new Sim Driver, which allowed them to make it fast and forgiving where every golfer needs it in the downswing. The pros love the new shape, but the biggest reason TaylorMade changed the shape was to help make you into a better golfer. Check out TaylorMadeGolf.com for more information on the all-new Sim family. Welcome back, Lav, fresh off a flight earlier this morning from TPC Boston. Hope you enjoyed yourself in the Northeast. I want to get right to it. That was a commanding performance by Dustin Johnson. Your thoughts right off the top. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, thanks for having me on, Rex. I think Breathless. I got wow. a good... wow. Okay, way to, way to bring it in hot. Okay. I think I was in the house for three minutes before we hopped on this podcast, but you just need this instant reaction uh, from – what at least statistically was the most dominating performance on tour in 14 years. You have to go all the way back to Phil at the Bell South before he double dipped the following week of the Masters to find a more blowout performance on the PGA Tour than what we saw uh, last evening from, from Dustin Johnson. I and I was thinking of, of how I was going to frame the story and kind of what I wanted the theme to be. And I, for, for whatever reason, I, I always go back to the fact that Dustin Johnson – has to be the most bulletproof golfer ever. Not just on the PGA Tour, I'm talking any tour, male or female. The fact that he can dust himself off after what would be perceived as, as disappointments in a lot of them in his career never ceases to amaze me. And I was talking to, to Claude Harmon III, his swing coach yesterday, and, and Rex, you probably heard this analogy being around Butch Harmon, but he said, Claude said that his dad always likened Dustin Johnson to an NFL quarterback. NFL cornerback, excuse me. The fact that one play, he'll get burned for an 85-yard touchdown, and the very next play, he'll make an interception that, that completely turns the game on his head. Like, he just doesn't have any rear-view mirror. He's always going to think that he is the best player in the game, regardless of what just happened to him. And that's the way that I view Dustin Johnson. I think it's the only way to view Dustin Johnson. He shot 30 under par two weeks after he blew the PGA Championship. Two weeks after he became the first player in history to blow his first four 54-hole leads in a major. The guy is absolutely amazing. What are your thoughts on, on what he was able to do and, and kind of how you see him now at this point in his career at age 36? 
30 under par and 11 stroke victory. 30 under par being the mainland record on the PGA Tour. The only thing that matched that was Ernie Els in Maui a few years ago, which is an entirely different golf course as a par 73. And the one thing that I kept coming back to, and to your point, Claude's point, and Bush has talked about this a lot in the past, is his Teflon ability, this ability to not let anything stick to him. And you can just look at his play since the restart and get a feel for this. When he started at Colonial with a miscut and there were some questions about his knee, and then he bounces back in Hilton with a tie for 17th. And then he wins the Travelers, follows that miscut, withdraw, T12, T2 first. We can keep going on. It's, it's, he's bouncing all over the map here. And you're right. He'll, he'll get burned for that 80-yard touchdown. And it's like it never happens. You don't need to go up and wrap your arms around him and give him a hug because he doesn't need it because he's not going to worry about it. The one thing that really struck me yesterday watching him was when he is at his best. And by his best, obviously, we're talking about ball striking way he can dominate a tournament tee to green mostly tee but also tee to green and if you look at all of those finishes since the restart if he puts average just average now last week he putted very very well he gained five and a half strokes on the field and strokes game putting which leads to an 11 stroke victory but if he, he also gained like average, eight he also gained like 18 shots tee to green which is just and that's insane. it that's it so yeah. he's always going to do that that's always going to be the given that's that's not the outlier the putting is the outlier and he just puts average you don't have these ebbs and flows. I think you have a week-in and week-out player that you could possibly compare to, obviously not at the major championships, but as far as just the body of work looking at total number of victories, you would favorably compare it to a Tiger Woods because I think at his best, he is better than anyone else at their job right now in the game. And I know that I just said something similar about Bryson DeChambeau a few you weeks really ago. Did. But I think when you look at Dustin Johnson, what he's able to do and bounce back and forth, Again, I'm talking about at his best. And at his best, he's an average putter. If you can see that in some of the things you, I saw over the last couple of days, like him grabbing his right arm right before he putts, whatever it is that seems to do seems to calm him down. He has better pace. When he has all of these pieces in place, I don't know that anyone does the job better than him in the game right now. No, I threw, I threw this stat out there yesterday to, to kind of make that exact point. The fact that since 2017, Dustin Johnson now has five wins of five or more shots. To me, I think that that underscores exactly what you're saying. The fact that when Dustin Johnson is at his best, the rest of the field does not stand a chance. They really Maybe, don't. Maybe, Rory. Those, I mean, off the top of your mind, you can come up with some but, players who, but those, if they play their best, but those tournaments, But those tournaments that Dustin's done it in, are, I mean, it's, it's a strong invitational field like Riviera. It's a WGC event like he did in Mexico. This was a playoff field against the very best players on the PGA Tour over the course of the season, he's not doing it against, against no names. I mean, he's not doing it in no offense to Bryson DeChambeau and what he was able to do in Detroit. He's not doing it against the C-level field at the Rocket Mortgage. These are the best of the best, and he is absolutely blowing them off the face of the earth with, with something that we, we haven't seen. <clears throat> and Claude made a good point that he said Dustin's actually the easiest player to predict on the PGA Tour. I said, how do, how do you figure? He goes, you look at his results. You mentioned it since the restart. He always builds, and he builds to it, and then he sustains it. And what he meant by that is you look at the first start out, missed the cut at Colonial. Next start out, he tied for 17th at, at the RBC Heritage, but he was second in the field in strokes gained T to green that week. David Winkle, Johnson's agent, called Claude and said, well, what, do you, what do you think of DJ's chances next week in Hartford? And Claude goes, missed a cut, T17. He's either going to win next week or he's going to finish second. What happens? He goes out and wins. Fast forward two months. In Memphis, T12, 
following week well, of the PGA you're Championship. Missing, you're missing the miscut at Memorial and the withdrawal from the 3M. So, yes, to, to your Yeah, but he also he, – yeah, he had a slight back issue that, yeah. that, that wasn't uh, too catastrophic, obviously. T12 in Memphis, T2 at the PGA Championship, blows away the field at the Northern Trust. Look for this form. And when I asked Claude yesterday, I said, boy, is this the best you've ever seen Dustin Johnson play? He said, I think it is. He said, I think it's even better than 2017. We all remember what happened in 2017. There was no one on the planet who was going to beat him at the Masters that year. And he had the unfortunate slip down the stairs and, and had to withdraw and, and ended up uh, kind of having a, uh, a poor second half of the season when that, that to me will forever go down as the what-if season for Dustin Johnson. I mean, three in a row heading into the Masters, he could have done unspeakable things to the rest of the field for the rest of that year. Had he, had he not gotten injured? The lesson there being don't rent a two-story house during the week of the Masters in Augusta. That has to and be also, And away. also do not, wear, do not just wear socks around the house. Who, who, sure. what, kind of seri- what kind of serial killer just wears socks around the house anyway? Put shoes it, on or put slippers on. Or, you, you or go barefoot. Socks? You won't not walk in, so- in socks? Absolutely not. In socks? No. You, you've got to be an absolute serial killer to do that. That seems extreme. But all right, back to my point. I will say, and, and this is with, complete, with a monsoon of respect for the Rory's and the JT's and even Tiger Woods when his game is clicking, because let's face it, it's been, you know, within a, a window that we can Zozo, remember that Tiger did. I mean, Zozo is very good, yeah. And so if you have all of these players at their very best, I'm saying it can be an absolute contest. It will be fun. He's not winning by 11. I still think he wins, though, simply because of his skill set. He is physically better at his job than what these other top players are at their jobs, at least at the moment. And JT's not going to grow. I love a lot of things about his game. Morikawa isn't going to get bigger. Like there's a lot of things he can improve on. He's not getting up to 6'3", 6'4". You can't teach that. So I just think where he's at right now with his game, the one thing I will say about Dustin, and I always thought throughout the course of his career, and this goes back a couple years now to when he won in Mexico and he got that 20th tour victory and it was such a milestone. You almost saw a glimmer in his eye, that David Duvall type glimmer, where he could almost feel like, hmm, I made it to the top of the mountain. Like, I'm not quite sure there's I'm a whole lot. I'm kind of content here. Yeah. Yes. And you almost saw that for a little while. I've had discussions with his trainer, Joey D, about this, about there has to be a level of focus, a level of dedication to get to number one in the world. I don't care how physically talented you are. You have to – talent gets outworked if talent doesn't work. That's Joey's famous saying. And I totally agree with it on that front for him to do this in an age when he could have easily said, okay, the restart's just not for me. There was, as you pointed out, some back issues. He wasn't feeling right. Even in Hilton head, when he finished tied for 17th, he could have just bagged this season. Like I think quite frankly, some players are already bagging this season for all the right reasons, but he did not. And he's back to world number one. And with two majors left, I, I think you're right. I think this is going to go back to that situation. Just don't rent a two story house and don't be an animal and walk around with socks. It's as simple as that. <laughs> And, you know, <clears throat> the FedEx Cup, it's, it's, kind of, it's kind of, you know, you see the FedEx Cup getting trashed on social media and, and players are quick to scoff at it and say it's just a PJ Tour prize and that majors are all that counts. Brooks Kepka certainly comes to mind as, as someone who, who has that type of mindset. Dustin Johnson legitimately wants to win this. Like, it is a, it is a career goal for him to pick off the FedEx Cup. No one has come closer more often and not gotten it done than DJ. He's been in the top five, five times over the past seven or eight years. I, I think back to 2016. Yeah, when, by Tiger, yeah, two, two years ago. Absolutely. Well, in, in, in 2016, yeah. it was Rory, 
uh, Kevin Chappell and Ryan Moore in the playoff. As long as Roy doesn't win, Dustin Johnson uh, wins the FedEx Cup. And apparently, some witness, eyewitness accounts saw him pumping his fist and screaming, F yeah, like when, when Ryan Moore's making a putt, because it actually means that much to him. And so, you know, I'm not sure how many majors he's eventually going to win. I'm not sure how long he's eventually going to hold on to this number one ranking. It's flip-flop back and forth five times already uh, in, in 2020. Uh, but I do know that he's once again in a good position to get the FedEx Cup. It's meaningful to him. And when you look at his resume, if he does add that and is the best PJ Tour player this year and, and wins player of the year and all that, um, there's really not that many holes in his resume. A 22-time winner on the PGA Tour. He's won WGCs. He's won a major. Uh, he's won a money title. A FedEx Cup champion would kind of be icing on the cake at his career in 36. And the rest, he could just go out for, for sheer domination. I, I would argue to the first part of your, your comment that they, they all have 15 million reasons to be interested in this. And, and even the people who didn't even make it to the playoffs, they have plenty of but reasons. D, but DJ's, be... DJ's got $65 million in the bank already sure. with, un, with untold millions in endorsements. But I'm I think we're kidding sure ourselves now money. when we, we say it's, it's not money. Now, I will go back to, again, we, and I think we had this discussion last week, when it comes down to the player of the year vote. And I would argue that that was very much a mandate from the tour rank and file saying that, okay, we're going to value this playoff system and how you perform in these playoffs events over the relative success you might have in major championships with Rory winning. That, that's my contention. Now, we, we can have that debate. I did not think we were going to spend 10 minutes – 11 minutes talking about Dustin Johnson this morning, but, but it is impressive and you're absolutely right. And I will add only that I have spoken with Claude about this being world number one is wildly important to him too. Strangely so that you wouldn't expect it from his sort of indifferent shoulder shrug. I'm sure he, yeah, I mean, the he's, the, he's the perfect type of guy to handle it, to handle oh, the yeah. pressure and the attention because it just doesn't phase him. It just doesn't phase him. I did want to touch on before we move on Tiger Woods and it was such an interesting week and, and I watched it with a lot of curiosity and I will say this it, it and I really want to get into the Tigers playoff chances but beyond that he was paired with Rory McIlroy on Saturday and Sunday at TPC Boston and I wasn't there I can imagine it was a surreal setting having those two go out so early without any fans whatsoever nothing on the line they're joking they're having a good time this is not what we've come to expect both players talked a lot and Roy has talked a lot about this, Tiger has touched on it, about how it is difficult to get motivated. It is difficult to stay focused without fans out there. I, I find it fascinating to me because, again, I watched a lot of NBA basketball this weekend. I was never once distracted by no fans. I don't think the players, Luka Doncic, certainly wasn't distracted by not having fans in the stands. So I, I think it's fascinating that golf seems to be the one that's suffering from this. And if you look at the sort of the ebb and flow, certain players seem fine with it. And certain players, like Tiger and Rory, who have existed inside this bubble for so long, they seem to be truly impacted by it. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the, the list of winners since the PGA Tour restarted, it's, it's hard to argue that you know, the best players haven't shown up. You know, by, by and large, we've had some great winners. We've had Dustin Johnson. We've had Colin Morikawa. We've had Bryson DeChambeau. We've had John Rahm. They, they have all won tournaments. Justin Thomas has won a WGC event. They've, they've all won tournaments. And Rory just seems to be – left behind and i think it's throwing into into sharp relief now tiger. just tiger seems to be left behind as well don't forget yeah but i, I wouldn't even put rory and, and tiger woods in the same category you look at the way that Roy played heading into the heading into the pandemic break and the way that he's come out of it it's it's night and day and and so i think what we're understanding now is just how much 
uh, the crowd, the energy, the atmosphere, the vibe fuels some of these players. Rory is clearly one of those players. Brooks Kepka, before he, you know, made a made a run at at Memphis on a golf course that he clearly enjoys, I would have put in that category as someone who clearly needs the atmosphere and the vibe. I think Tiger is, is almost in a different category in the fact that that he's just lost. Like he like he doesn't know he doesn't know what to do with himself. And he was kind of making the the point that he's always had cameras on him. That hasn't changed over the past quarter century it's probably heightened a little bit now in the fact that they're following him when he arrives in the parking lot and he goes to the, to the clubhouse and he's eating lunch and he, he's on the range and you know pj tour live is sitting there for an hour watching him get ready that part hasn't changed but the fact that every shot is being dissected now and he in but he looks around and he doesn't have some of the advantage that he normally has obviously he was the best player for 15 years right like that is just indisputable but there was also when we did an entire project about this that there's a phenomenon of the tiger effect the fact that having tiger in your group is detrimental to your success it was indisputable psychologists concluded it definitively that it has a negative impact oh, statistically when he is in it. It obvious. when he is in your group and there is there's an advantage to be gained by having the experience of playing in front of huge crowds with all that pressure, with all that stress, with all of that distraction, and that is gone. And look, we were both at Memorial. You were at the PGA Championship. To me, I thought this was even more different because unlike those golf courses, there wasn't a highway there. There wasn't backyards with guys grilling out and, and cheering on Tiger as he walked down the eighth hole. There was nothing out there. We were, felt like you were in the middle of nowhere. And it was so silent, you could hear a water bottle being opened 50 yards away. I mean, watching Tiger Woods and Roy McIlroy play golf, and you could hear a pin drop. To me, that's never going to be normal for Tiger. And I don't think it's ever going to be normal for Rory, who clearly needs that type of juice to get going. Well, and what's fascinating to me, and the, the upside to this is having watched all of Tiger's rounds this weekend, I found it fascinating. You can hear everything they're saying now. So you do pick up on some cool conversations. By the way, Saturday there was wasn't, the There wasn't much talk on Saturday because they were but, grinding. But Saturday, well, there was a cool conversation that Tiger putted out from two, three inches, whatever, just tapped in with the flag stick in and made the comment, first time he's ever done that, which is fascinating to me because we are two years in to this experiment. And that's the first time that he's decided to, oh. okay, Joey, stay where you are. All right. So I asked the cop about that after. I was like, how is that possible? Like, how has he never done that? First of all, Playing in South Florida right now during a pandemic. Not supposed can't, to touch flags. Yeah, you got you to keep the flag in. But anyway, the first two rounds in Boston, Tiger Woods, you know, we played with Matt Fitzpatrick and Dylan Fratelli. And that is interesting because Matt Fitzpatrick mm. keeps the flag in for every single putt. Dylan Fratelli also keeps the flag in for every single putt, except when he's lining up his putt. When he lines up his putt, his caddy takes the flag out. So he is visualizing what the break's going to do and the speed and the line he wants to take. He says, okay, got it. Caddy puts the pin back in. Joey said it, it totally freaked him out, and he couldn't even believe that Tiger tapped in from six inches on 17 because he was like, he was so freaked out. He never wants to play with those guys again. It was just a total mind-blown moment to be with those two guys with the flag in. But I, well, but I and Joey's comment on air was, and I totally agree with this. He would not have done that if he was oh, three under for the no day. Chance. He would not have no done chance. that if he was anywhere close to the lead, but he was a million shots out of the pack and, and he knew. So it was an interesting moment. Before we move on from Tiger, 
without knowing the exact math, let's just call it, let's say a top five. He needs a top five or better. Yeah, I would say season. top, I would say four to be safe. Five, he's looking good. To make it to East Lake. Does he do it? Yeah. No. No. Yes. I haven't no. seen. You danced around I that seen, one. Keep I haven't in mind, seen. We're an audio visual here. I mean, medium here. We're not, they can't see your face. So you have to, yes, no, explain it a little bit better. No. I mean, I haven't seen anything in his game that would suggest that he's about to, to post a top five finish against the 70 best PJ Tour players of the season on a golf course he hasn't seen since the 03 U.S. Open. Yeah, yes. I don't see it. It's the only yeah, time I don't see it at all. He played a competitive round there. I even would after, say the, even after the four one, birdies to start his day on Sunday, even after what, what he, that front nine that he threw up when it seemed like, all right, now we've got something going, even after that. Because you know what Dustin Johnson did? He went five under for the first seven. And Dustin Johnson was able to keep it going. And, well, and I called it. I'm going to go ahead and put the feather in my hat. I called even par for the back nine. It'll be nine pars coming in, and we'll be done for, for the week, and sure enough. Very, yeah, that, that was a very impressive call. I mean, would you, would you put your life on a Tiger Woods top five at this point? Uh, I would not. I would totally agree with you. Uh, there were parts of his game that walking away, you would think, well, I thought he drove the ball really well, although I don't yeah, know if TPC the, the Boston drive, The drive was not a concern, yeah. I don't know that TPC Boston would be considering, considered a, a difficult driving golf course. Uh, there were signs that, you know, the putter was coming around. I, I think if I was going to take anything away, it was his ball striking just isn't what we expect from him, at least for the, you know, those middle two rounds on Friday and Saturday. But no, there, there isn't anything. That would lead me to believe that he's going to make and, it like And I, I think, Rex, even, even if he does let's – let's say he finishes fourth and he does sneak inside the top 30. He's going to be eight, nine, or ten shots behind, in all likelihood, Dustin Johnson heading into the season finale. It's not like Tiger Woods is all of a sudden going to be in great shape to, to possibly steal the FedEx Cup. He's going to have to go absolutely lights out at Eastlake, and then you still have the potential that he'd be playing four or five weeks and five of seven. I think if Tiger can, can finish his top 20 this week, you know, so show some more encouraging signs. I would, I would in particular like to see his iron play get a little sharper. I don't think he'd be, he'd be mad at all about the prospect of having two weeks off before we had to East, uh, before we had to wing for, for the U S open. No, I, I agree with you. And just the idea that he seemed physically fine last week, this was the, the first oh, leg and it's going to be a marathon for him. So I think that one's going to do it. Uh, there is another marathon that starts today and it was a marathon that I didn't think was going to be run at least this this closely i mean if you'd have asked me six months ago if phil mickelson was going to play on the pga tour champions the answer would have been a patented no because i was there on the weekend when he turned 50 or i was at the event when that he turned 50 at and we tried to ask him about that milestone and he was he could not have been more dismissive about the idea that he's turning 50 and somehow he's suddenly going to have an interest in the senior tour i am fascinated by the idea that somehow over those preceding two months his ideas and his thoughts on the over 50 circuit has changed so much that he is indeed playing on the over 50 circuit starting today, Monday in the Ozarks. Amazing to me. You don't think that there's some ulterior motive here for, for Phil to go check out the Ozarks? There might be something there. There might be just the idea. He brought it up even a few weeks ago. As you could tell, the wheels were spinning. He was obviously not going to go deep into the playoffs. Wingfoot on the horizon. He knows he needs reps. That's the only event, really, that matters to him right now, if we're being honest, the U.S. Open. The idea that, okay, I'm better off playing against some level of competition. This isn't going to tire me out. I can drive a cough cart. It's three rounds. Whatever the case may be. All of those things sort of coalesced, and I'm sure that, yes, if I'm being the cynical sports writer, just like you are right now, rubbing your fingers through your hair, counting the dollars, that, yes, I'm sure there is something that, that's drawing him to the Ozarks that isn't just pure competition. Go figure. 
I mean, I'm I'm done trying to predict what what he was doing on Saturday of the PJ Championship. He sat in the booth for an hour and a half with CBS and what clearly seemed like an audition uh, to eventually take over that that full time analyst chair. And now he's going to go play the Champions Tour. I will I will harken back Rex to something that he said at the beginning of this year. I believe you were the one who asked the question when Phil showed up at the American Express for the first start of 2020. Obviously, we're all looking ahead to his 50th birthday in June. He said, I'm going to give it six months and see how it goes before I want to reassess what my immediate playing future is going to be. And there was a lot of misses this year, right? There's, I think, six missed cuts in 2020, which followed up nine missed cuts that he had in 2019. He's clearly more unpredictable than ever. However, he also finished third in Saudi Arabia. He finished third at Pebble Beach. We had a great chance to win. He just tied for second in a WGC event in Memphis. And all of a sudden now he's, he, he wants to make his first foray onto the, onto the senior tour. It's a, it's a little bit strange to me. And I think he actually, I'm not sure if he has something to prove this week, but I think it is going to be interesting because if, if Phil goes out there a month after tying for second in a WGC event and he goes and finishes 25th in a senior event, what does that say? What does that say about the difference in quality of the two tours? Or what does it say about the way that Phil Mickelson is playing right now? I know what you're trying to get to. I don't know that that's a fair comparison. Yeah, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm, not saying that, I'm not saying that these 54 holes are a referendum on the yeah. state of the PGA Tour versus the PGA Championship. No, I, I do think it fair. is going to be – I do think it is going to be an interesting contrast. Do you not? Uh, I do, but I have seen Davis Love finish tied for 12th at Colonial and then go miss the you know, cut the next week at the U.S. Senior Open. This so was it's a just, WGC event. No, no, and, and I totally agree where you're going with this, yeah, but you're thinking that somehow this is AAA or even worse than that. And I, I don't think that's a that's Oh, it's a definitely worse than that. I don't know about that because I think you actually have to put, put better on the Champions Tour than you do on the PGA Tour some weeks. Because it's all – I mean, as much as the PGA Tour turns into a it's putting the contest. the Corn Ferry Tour where you got to shoot 25 under. But you still need to make putts. Like still, no one is going these to, guys got decades of scar tissue. And you think just because he's suddenly playing this tour that he's suddenly going to become more consistent and he's not going to be spraying golf balls off the map all of a sudden. So you think that's what's going to happen? I would, I would expect a guy. I would expect a guy who tied for second in Memphis and who was, who was just coming off a good uh, second round in Boston to, if he doesn't win, at, like at least be top three, top five. Oh, uh, I would probably take the over on top three. It, it, yeah, if I if I was a I mean, gambling look, those, man, those guys are very good, and I think we've we've seen it a number of times. Whether it's Ernie Els or Jim Furyk or Steve Stricker or Davis Love, whoever gets out there, I think they're blown away by the level of golf that the over fifty yes. circuit can still play. Right? Those those are blown away by you, the scores you have to shoot. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. And I think Phil may may find it somewhat eye opening, but he's still Phil Mickelson. He's still coming off a T2 in a WGC event. He was still part of the FedEx Cup playoffs. I would expect him to, to play really well this week. And if he doesn't, I would be a little bit surprised. He's missed seven cuts this season. So I think that's he's not the consistency. Six. No, he's made nine. Seven, he's seven, seven this season, six this calendar year. Sorry. Uh, well, and again, this is when he, when he made that comment to me in the desert that we did not count on the world coming to an end. So I don't know if that's really a fair comparison either because you sit and kind of look at what he does. All right, I want to get out of here on this thought, and it kind of goes to what we were talking about with fans and Rory and Tiger. And it only comes up because the RSM Classic announced today that they will not be played with fans. No big surprise there. But that is the last official event of this year. And I had a player tell me that the tour is actually leaning towards the idea that they're thinking – 
the first event with any type of fans back will be the Players' Championship next spring. So when you start looking that far down the road, and the only reason I bring this up is because football is moving ahead at breakneck speed, and it seems to me every SEC school, including your beloved Georgia, is deciding, okay, we're definitely going to have fans. How many fans is the only question that we need to have here. Golf is moving slow, and maybe rightfully so, but as we get further and further, this becomes a financial issue. This has certainly become a competitive issue for the likes of Rory and Tiger, as we just touched on. When do you imagine we're going to have fans back? Boy, wouldn't that be ironic if the first event back with fans was the Players' Championship, the tournament, of course, that ended the whole thing. Because on Thursday, you said, yep, come on in, 25 to 50,000 fans. There's no pandemic going on here. Midway through the first round, oh, boy, no, fa- no fans rest of the week this thing is getting serious and then that night oh we got we got to shut down we're sh- and we're shutting down for an indefinite period of time that that would be the irony of all iron- ironies that that's the first event back with fans and to be honest with you rex it wouldn't be totally surprising if that were the case to be on, on a week week to week basis i i know the players like rory and brooks and tiger might hate the fact that there's no fans and there's no juice and there's en- no energy and the only thing different is a zip code and the signage i don't really miss it if you're watching on TV, it really on TV, doesn't make it, it does not make that yeah. big of a difference. Even the PGA Championship we talked about a couple weeks ago, the TV product was still very compelling. And I hated it. I mean, I thought it was terrible being on property. However, I mean, I think it's like everything else. It's like baseball and basketball and hockey. It is a TV show. Yeah, right. And, and I'm I mean, totally I, fine with that. You taking a weird victory lap that it would be the players next year that would be the, the one-year sort of anniversary, that, that seems like a weird victory lap to take because if we're blaming anyone, let's blame Rudy Gobert. If we're going to look for a scapegoat here, I don't think golf needs to be our scapegoat. I just don't think – all right, so if you, if you don't have fans for you, I don't think you can just open the gates and allow 50,000 fans to pour in. Of course not. No, and I, even the SEC, and I make fun of your beloved Georgia, I think they're all talking about some sort of margins. You're talking it's 20 about 20 to 25% capacity. capacity. Sure. 20 to 25%, yeah. Sure. So whatever it takes, and I think the sooner we get inching closer to that, and I think we talked about this last week, that the tour is experimenting with these guests, hosting experiences, what they're talking about. That's 50 fans a day, and they're away from the golf course. But I think eventually – and that's why I was surprised to hear the next year's players comment, because it seems to me there are events early on the schedule next year that you could start to tinker. Let, let's say Scottsdale oh, gonna, is the one that. Oh, see, I would, I would either go Scottsdale or I would say Tiger's event are the first two that you could, you could sure. bring back some sort, some sort of design spectator plan. That Do 5, keeps everyone safe and separates them. And you have designated areas and, you know, maybe you've got a bracelet. I think they've, haven't they done this where you can kind of monitor them? And if it's too, too bunched in one particular area, you can go send a marshal to, to kind of disperse the group. You have time to develop those types of technologies, if not. And, and, and if not, you also have six months to develop these plans for, for something that could work before you do a wholesale, okay, 25,000 people are going to come to the tourist flagship event at TPC Sawgrass. I think you have to have some kind of soft launch. No, no, I, I agree with you. And it was actually a tag in the, in the credentials that Memorial was going to hand out. That's for right. That week's That's event. right. Yeah, when they, so if you got these groups and clusters of people, you could break them up quickly. And the fact that I think testing the saliva test that just has been introduced to the market, that's $15. Yeah, that's, that's a potential game changer. There, yes. in, in theory, there should be a vaccine by then, or at least a couple of them. I mean, there's, so there's, I, some, things, there's some things working in our favor to get fans on the golf course before mid-March in 2021. Absolutely.
All right, that'll do it. Uh, we'll talk more about fans. We'll talk more about Tiger next week. Hopefully, we'll talk about him heading to Eastlake. We'll find out. That'll do it for this edition of the Golf Channel Podcast, presented by TaylorMade and the all-new Sim Driver. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory-smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave.